Hi everybody, um, this is Haley and Karen and uh, welcome to our second podcast um, which is probably going to take the form of a follow-up podcast to our last conversation. Um, after our last conversation, you know, because we always like to reflect if what we're saying is clear and if people would understand it, um, we asked a friend of ours, Fundi, to have a listen. Um, and she came back with a few questions that she thought our listeners would like to know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to attempt to cover about two, maybe one, one, one or two of them in this podcast and um, answer um, a few of them in podcast to follow so um yeah karen what yeah. was her first what was the the question that she that we kind of wanted to just start with. Off. Yeah. yeah so um she was wanting us to explore a little if this conversation and conversations like this in the south african context um were directly related to the black lives matter protest um about a year ago um to do with the um, murder of George Floyd um, and and how that related to the South African conversation. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, if I think of um, my initial reaction was horror that you, that is still allowed and the um, overtness of that kind of racism, but it was still miles away. Um, and we were dealing with the pandemic, so... Kind of on the home front, we had a lot that we were dealing with anyway. I think what shook me up um, to wanting to do work in this area is when the you silence, we amplify. Because we both, well, I have, I had one school-going child at that point. And it now makes you wonder, has your child experienced Mm. that kind of Mm. racism in schools um, Mm. in our area? Mm. Um, and so I th- it got me thinking um, around that as I was reading um, what those learners had to say about the experiences of racism in the schools that that we know. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. So I think I think the <clears throat> what happened for us as as parents in the southern suburbs of Cape Town um, was that um, George Floyd. Um, and the and the the stuff that was happening in the United States, uh, people felt deeply here because I think in our last podcast I I said we are a racist country, and so obviously there's there's um, things that are are there's a connection there. So people felt that deeply, and one of our just to explain around the youth silence we amplify for people who don't have children in high schools, or don't have children at all. Um, what happened was um, one of our very well-known schools um, put a black sleeve on their Instagram page as people were doing. Um, and what followed from that was a bunch of um, ex-pupils um, and, and present pupils who actually publicly wrote on their Instagram page, on the school's Instagram page, that they felt wounded by that. They felt that it was inappropriate because the school was not dealing with its um, racism um, that would be a whole host of things, which then became clearer with the use silence we amplify. And so what happened was that that school um, had it started to have its own public conversation and decided to take that post down. And then the students 
and kudos to them, said, we will not be silenced and and created an Instagram account called You Silence, We Amplify. And the shocking thing for me as a white parent, although not shocking, I think it was maybe the, the sad thing for me, was just about every single one of our lovely schools that we send our children to, as Haley said, was publicly called out. So it, it went from not it went from not just this school; it went to all the schools, and um, and these um, the racist incidents were were explained and named. Um, and so, whatever we think about that, I think it was definitely a catalyst to people that are in our sort of generation saying, hang on a minute, as you said, Haley, for you, it was um, the question of, is my child experiencing this? And for me, as a white parent, I was, well, I hope my children are perpetuating this. Um, and also, jeepers, like, what can our schools be doing? What can my school be doing differently that... Um, intervenes and changes this situation. But I think the, the, the use silence we amplify, um, what it did for me, because if I'm really honest, as a person of colour, having these conversations around racism um, is exhausting. And so often what you do is you just choose not to have it. And it's, it's almost a self-protection, self-preservation um, t- um, tool that you just employ because it's just too exhausting and so you don't want to have that I think what got me thinking is if my kids um, are still experiencing um, this kind of racism if kids, my kids age are still experiencing this kind of racism will my grandchildren be experiencing this and the need then to actually interrupt the narratives that seem to pervade um, South Africa which, which I think is linked to the Rainbow Nation and um, as wonderful as that ideal is, it is an ideal. And I think that was the realization for me that uh, Mandela's dream of an ideal, of a rainbow nation, is an ideal. Because we have in South Africa this very covert racism. And it's in the form of microaggressions, which were many of them were named in that um, You Silence, We Amplify platform. Um, and as they were naming it, I think, I think, yeah, I've experienced that, not in our schools, but in the last, um, you know, couple of years. And so I think it's now having names to things. Mm. So for people of color, you, um, you you felt these things, but it's like you second guess yourself. Like, is it me? You know, did that mean what I think it meant? And for the first time, it felt like a bit of solidarity for people of color. That suddenly, no, this is mm. not in my head. Mm. There are these young um, um, kids, young teenagers who are experiencing it as well in their engagement um, with whiteness. Um, and so, um, you know, you then start thinking through things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's easy for a person of color who's assimilated, because that's what I, I did for many years. I've assimilated um, to um, my white spaces. Um, you don't want to think about it because it is exhausting and it's... And it's heartbreaking. And I think that was it for me, like reading these teenagers. There were some that I actually couldn't read all of it because it was just mm. a lot to to hear that this is what our, our, our teenagers are, are um, experiencing. And secondly, we're always saying that this this is, you know, we, the, the future is about this generation. This is our future. Well, actually, if we're damaging our future, then what is it going to look like? 
you know, and the need to not be politically correct, because I think often that's how we've approached this diversity space. You know, we want to say the right things, but are we doing the right things? Yeah. And the the interesting thing about that, Haley, is when we look at, you know, um, so it was our children that were experiencing this. So then the question is, you know, is it just in our schools? Well, clearly not, because it was not just in the the education spaces that we started to have these conversations. I think um, businesses were having them. Our churches were having them. And it's not that we've never had them. It's just we were having them again, which is always a little bit of a red flag that there's work to be done. So I think the, I think what happened was Black Lives Matter and George Floyd gave voice to the reality in our spaces in South Africa. Um, and kind of, for whatever reason, which is really weird, but, but wedged that space open um, and created a, a, um, yeah, a, a place or a, a time for us to um, once again have these conversations, but a little more publicly, I think. Um, and the, reali- the realisation yeah. that, I think for me, the big realisation is exactly what you said. If this is taking place in our schools, mm. the real- something that I always knew um, was that racist, you didn't stop being a racist post-1994. And it's, it's, I think that's my biggest gripe um, and not making this, I mean, I think it is a political discussion, but the same people that are, are criticising um, the government of ruling power and we as a democratic nation have a right to hold our political party or government um, accountable, that's not what I'm saying, were they were they this passionate about it pre nineteen? Were they call were they having dinner table discussions and saying apartheid is wrong? What is this government doing? Um, were they were they actually having the same? Were they as the, were they as vocal as they are now? And so you kind of realize that there is it seems because of our past racism is interwoven into the very fabric of our society. Yeah, and um, we've we we're seeing it we're getting seeing it in bits and pieces yeah. and yeah. Um, you see it in the fees must fall so these are all indicators that there's something wrong something. it's you know it's like a, it's like your body when when you're having symptoms mm. it's, it's it shows you that there's something wrong mm. and this is for me the you silence we amplify the fees must fall roads must fall is indicative that mm. there's something wrong in our society mm. and we need to address address it at the core so i think that <clears throat> your um, comments now Haley are linked to Fundy's second question, which was, um, you know, you and I live in the southern suburbs of Cape Town. We are, um, um, what would, we live in the, in what would be seen as the the liberal part of <laughs> the country. Um, so why in the world would we want to be having these conversations? Isn't everything okay? Aren't people getting along? And, um isn't racism a thing of the past? So I think you've you've already started to touch on it there. And so, you know, while I was thinking about that question, I thought, oh my goodness, it's such a big question. But if I'm thinking about why we want to have these conversations, I think for me, it's that apartheid um, so designed, it's so, it was so well designed that we are living out its 
design. And the key place for me where I feel that these conversations can perhaps shift things is in the way we think mm. about one another. And that was apartheid's design. It designed for us to not be uh, in relationship with one another. Mm. Um, but more than that, it was a purposeful design in how we thought about ourselves and how we thought about one another. And I think that is still evident. Yeah. I don't but, know, what do you think? Well, I think it's what, I think we actually, someone asked us this question when we first started the meeting room, and isn't it that what we're trying to do is the undoing yeah. of apartheid yeah. in our own little way? I mean, we know that there are lots more, you know, from a systemic and, and institutional, there's a lot more undoing to do. But we've looked at the, the women in our sphere and said how together, yeah. how can we together undo what apartheid has entrenched in essence in our in our in us, you know, the not seeing yeah. or the seeing as less or the yeah. seeing as inferior or the seeing as superior. Yeah. And um I think it's it's we are trying to undo. It's the it's undoing yeah. of, of the design of apartheid, which I mean you brought that's a very valid point, Karen, because I think often people don't realise that it was a design mm. and it was an intentional design, which means that to un do it. We have to be intentional in our efforts. Mm. And what does that look like? Mm. And I think this group, the meeting, is exploring that. Yeah. You know, Karen, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with me. We don't profess to have all the answers because we are still no. learning. We yeah. still make mistakes. Um, we say the wrong things and probably think the wrong things. And it, But we've always said it's not about being politically correct. It's about doing better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think it's also about what, what apartheid did was establish these um, surface shallow relationships that we have across race sometimes. And we are trying to establish authentic spaces mm. where people can say what they're feeling, mm. um, how they've been hurt um, and where it's a safe space. Mm. Yeah, completely. And but you know, while while you were speaking there, Haley, I was just thinking. You said, you know, the systemic stuff. So we are not we're not naive. I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's big big structural, systemic, economic, um, power stuff that still white people control, not just in Cape Town but in our country. Um, despite the fact that legally. Um, things have changed. So we obviously there's been change in South Africa. We don't want to be sitting here saying mm. nothing's changed. I don't believe that. And I, and I, stats show yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's not true. Things have changed. However, I think people haven't. And, mm. and that's the, and, and the thing that you said about racism, it doesn't just go away. And, and worse than that, it gets, Pass to the next generation. So why are we seeing racism in our schools? You would think, oh, you know, our children are, are, are at school together. Yeah. That's not what we had. Yeah. You and I, I think it's very, um, it might be good to point out that and remind people that we grew up in apartheid. So um, I went to a school where there were only white children and you went to a school where there were only colored children. So we, ne we never would have <laughs> met one another <laughs> at school. And so that thinking was entrenched. Now, these are the parents of the children who are, or are our children who are at school together now. And, um, and, you know, and, and I don't want to diss our school. Sorry, just to go back to the schools. I think a lot of our schools have yeah. made a great effort and are really trying and have done all kinds of amazing things. And we can have a whole conversation about that. Um, do we think it was enough? Some of them haven't done anything. They need to get going. 
that's not acceptable. But, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing journey and, and we have to keep on working at it. However, I think the fact that our children amongst themselves were experiencing race, racism means that at homes, back to your question about around the table, what are the conversations that are being had around the table with adults our age? And if I, we, you know, yeah. if we were, if we were, does, if, if we were encouraged to think a certain way about people, I mean, are we even having different people in, at well, our table? that's tables? what I was going to tell you. How diverse? So just if you're saying that racism happens in the schools which means that hmm. what conversations are being had at homes or in homes and how diverse are the tables in those homes. Hmm. Um, I mean, that, that is almost an, um, an easy win, is when you diversify your table. Um, and in, if I must total vulnerability moment, if I must really be honest, I had to look at that because my table wasn't that diverse. So for me, I... As a person of color, even I had to look at that. Um, so we're not pointing fingers. No. We, we, what we're saying is that we all have a lot of work to do, irrespective of color. Yeah. Um, and, but it's work we have to do. It's not work that rests on the people of color, um, but it's work that we do together. Yeah. And I think that that was also one of the aims um, that we, of this group, was that we wanted to do this together because we realized it's a group mm. effort. Um, and yeah, I thought, I think, I, I think that was my, my biggest, to answer you the second question, mm. living in this lovely leafy suburb is that was I, was I being authentic mm. in the white spaces? Mm. Um, and if not, why not? And stepping out is uncomfortable because I'll probably lose some white friends mm. or acquaintances along this journey that we, we are on, but the work needs to be done. Mm. And I love that because it's it's for both of us we have to do work, you know. So um, you're saying you need to step out into white spaces and be authentic. But for me as a white person and for white people, I think the hardest thing for us in beginning to do this work is to recognize actually the space that we're in is white. Um, and the conversations I've had with white people who have that has slowly dawned on them you realize that that is a shocking uh, realization that because I'm living in a space that suits me, it's like a fish being in water, I never feel uncomfortable. Everything that is on offer is designed for me mm. um, as a white person. And um, it doesn't matter if I'm even in our schools, even in our wherever we go, in our churches, in our places of worship, in our restaurants, wherever we go in the southern suburbs, whiteness rules and that is a very uncomfortable reality to to confront oneself with or be confronted with. Um, so in the conversation about spaces, Haley, do I as a white person recognize that, mm. first of all? And then uh, what am I going to do about it? Because um, I think the way I understand it is as much as you might feel you're coming into a white space and that's uncomfortable. I also create the white space. And do I make space for people that are different? Mm. So mm. how do we change the spaces mm. so that they are spaces that embrace diversity, mm. that it's not a space that's suited just for me? Mm. But, I mean, think about it, the, the fact, and I know many people won't understand the concept of a white space. Apartheid was designed with white people's comfort yeah. and success in mind. So if we're really honest, so that well, those white spaces didn't go away because economically, they many of the spaces are still held in Oof. white hands. Yes, and so it's always a power play. Yeah. 
um, and and I mean, I, and we can't speak about other provinces because I would imagine Joe is slightly different. Mm. But in in Cape Town, I think the middle class is still very much a white space. Very much, um, very much. And so, so you you're not conscious of 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 how an, a person um, who is different, who comes from a different background um, culturally, etc., coming into that space might feel. It doesn't even occur to white people. It's like come into my space. We want you here. It's not an exclude. We don't want not want you here, but I'm I'm not really going to change the way I do things or make spaces for you, um, and yeah. and I think that's where the microaggressions come in, mm. because not only do we not know one another, but you're coming into my space. So I'm I'm you saying you think like you think like me, mm. be like me, act like me. So all the norms and values in my space. It's my norms and values. It's not without any um, recognition that there's a, a, a other, another way of doing something. Yeah. I've never had to think about that before. Yeah. And so these conversations are hopefully, Haley. hopefully we can, and I think we've seen that with yeah. the ladies, yeah. that there's been an awakening really. And, I, you know, I guess on the one hand you want to say, jeepers, 28 years after democracy mm-hmm. and you're only waking up now. And that is a shameful thing. I, I, I hold that. But at the same time, I am I'm hopeful that there are people who really have had a change of mind in the last, um, you know, with us having these conversations, mm-hmm. there's been a dawning of something but and a shift. That. We've seen it. We've seen And, and yeah. the, that's the, the thing, is that we've seen that where there is authentic, safe, um, spaces for people to be, just be who they are, that you do find authentic relationships developing. Mm. And um, and it's a vulnerable space. It's not a space, that's the other thing. It's not a space that everyone would want to be in because you need to make yourself vulnerable. Mm. You need to say, this is how I'm feeling or this is what I'm ashamed of, or the, you know, in terms of this race conversation. Um, but we've seen it. We've seen how some of the la- women on our program have grown and the questions and and so I think that's what motivates me, that yeah. um, we're doing this together, A, yeah. uh, which I think is very important because I think if you're doing it only as one a person of a single race and you don't have yeah. diversity in that, you're only ever going to have a single view. Um, and so you get diversity of, of ideas and thoughts and, and um, that we've seen that if we, if we just persevere, Mm-hmm. Um, that we can do better. And I know I'm harping on the do better, but it just stands, yeah. for me, it's the total antithesis of politically correct. Yeah. Because yeah. it speaks to my heart motivation, not just a tick box yeah. exercise. Yeah, because the thing is, we can just tick box things. Yeah. And that's, in a way, what we've a little bit done. Well, that's what we've that's done. Why yeah. we that's are why we, we are where we are. Because people have thought, they've stuck a Band-Aid mm-hmm. on a deep wound, and they've thought that by doing these things... So changing your um, be outward behavior that um, that it will make everything okay. And what we found is that actually we haven't been able to change our outward behavior because our hearts have not been yeah. changed, and we don't really hold one another's mm-hmm. pain and past and a deep understanding of why we are where we are. Yeah. Um, and so I think the thing about for me with these conversations is that they are hard, um, they are complex. They are um, long in that they have a history, but they are so necessary. I mean, oh, Hayley, if we don't have these conversations, my desperate um, 
sadness for our country and for our city and for our children is that it's 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 going to be a really awful end or place to land. Well, I think that's just it. What is the future we're creating for our children and our grandchildren? If anything, that should be our motivation. Um, And I'm not sure who quoted it, but we actually want to leave the world a better place than what we we found it. Um, And so I think that's why it's important for these conversations. So So. just before we... um, um, finish. Um, we wanted you to say if there's any other questions that you would like us to talk about. And as we've just qualifying that we are not experts, we are two friends journeying on this with a group of women who are crazy enough to journey along with us. Um, and we are working through this, but we believe we don't need to have all the answers. We actually just need to talk about yeah. it. And, um, you know, so we're not coming from an expert point yeah. of view, but if there are any questions that you would like us to talk about, um, please just go onto our Instagram page and you can um, pop the question on there. Lovely. Thank you, Hayley. See you till next time. Next time. Bye.